It's time for a new evolution in raising golfers, one that doesn't involve headaches, tears, or heading down the path of unknown. Whether you're trying to introduce children to the game of golf, help them play competitively, or play at a collegiate level, you're in the right place. This show is for any parent, player, or coach who wants to build a better team at home and on the golf course. This is the Raising Golfers Podcast. Hey, what's up, everyone? I'm your host, Travis Hauser, PGA professional, working in beautiful Carlsbad, California, at a golf club called Rancho Carlsbad. It's an 18-hole par-3 course with a full-size driving range. Great for everyone, especially families trying to get everybody involved in the game of golf. If you haven't already, check out the podcast's Instagram or Facebook pages, plus on RaisingGolfers.com. I've shared the wisdom from every guest on every podcast that pretty much sums up the main messages that the guests are trying to share. It's really awesome. Go check it out. In my opinion, sports teach us so many valuable life lessons. And to bring that even more to life, our guest, Dr. Beth Brown, who has a PhD in sports psychology, is going to help us better understand those lessons. If we want them to have the best chance, perhaps to excel at a high level, then we need to promote fun, friends, and an improvement. And those life lessons, I think, then are part of that. If we want them to not get burned out, not get injured, then again, we want to promote those other things, I think, over winning, right? And I think if we want them um, to just continue in the game for a lifetime, like you said, create experiences where maybe they don't go on and play at high level, but they come back to it as adults, then again, we want to create an environment where they don't just have the opportunity to become better golfers, but they become better people. Her youth sport participation paved the way for her collegiate success as a member of the University of Oklahoma basketball and conference champion women's golf teams. As her love for sports continued, she realized the unique opportunity sport has to impact not only physical abilities, but life skill development as well. This led Beth to earn her PhD in sports psychology at the University of Kansas. Since then, she's gone on to influence and impact thousands through her roles as a golf coach, an educational program developer at the First Tee, and LPGA USGA Girls Golf. She's also the founder and owner of the consulting agency Team Aureus. Dr. Beth, I'm so excited to have you join us here today on the Raising Golfers podcast. So welcome. Thanks, Travis. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, and I'm really fortunate to be able to talk to you because some of the things that we're going to talk about today are things I think that's going to help me as a coach, as a parent, but also all the listeners around the world. And one of the things that you preach is learning life lessons through sports. And I couldn't agree more with that line. So I'm kind of curious, though, like you've got a strong background in golf specifically, but how did you fall into your PhD of sports psychology? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question, Travis. Yeah, actually, I did kind of fall into it. So that's a good phrase. I I um, went to uh, University of Pacific where I got my master's. And of course, I played college uh, basketball and college golf at University of Oklahoma. And when I went there, um, I was actually starting off in sports management. But I met a gentleman um, after the first semester. His name was is Dr. Glenn Alba, and he's in, in the Northern California area and has worked with many, many golfers over the years. And so I was actually assigned, he was, I was, I was assisting the, the sports uh, management professor and I was assisting him. And uh, just being around him really, really brought to light my interest in the kind of mental and emotional aspects of golf. And, and it made me start thinking about 
how in basketball, I mean, I was like in high school, I would look in the mirror before the game and say, you're Beth Brown and no one can stop you. Right. So I had that mentality. And then in golf, I was always questioning myself, seeming to lack confidence. And so being around uh, Dr. Alba got me really thinking about my experiences and got me excited about potentially not only figuring my own self out, but but helping others. And so um, I made a request and got switched over to become his full time graduate assistant my second year at University of Pacific. And kind of the rest was history. That's cool. Now, I'm, I'm going to ask you an interesting question here is, is are there things that you know now that you wish you would have known when you were a competitive golfer? Yeah, yes, absolutely. I think the biggest thing in the simplest terms, because I think most of the people listening are probably parents and and, and folks uh, working on their game, it's just this idea of, of, you know, what do you like when you play your best? And how do you prepare when you play your best? All those things. I, you just had Lynn and Pia on recently with Vision 54, and they talk about, you know, it'd be like Beth 54, like knowing my best self. And I didn't know that. I In basketball, I just did it. And in golf, I just didn't. But if I had known what I was doing in basketball, been intentional and had somebody help teach me to take those things I did automatically, if you will, through basketball and apply them to my golf to, you know, how do I talk to myself when I'm at my best? How do I walk when I'm at my best? How do I prepare? How do I get myself back on track when I get off? And, and, and knowing those things, increasing that self-awareness um, and then developing skills to get there more consistently. Those are the things that I wish I had known. So I feel like I, I had a lot of people help me along the way. So I probably did pretty well considering how little I knew at the time. Oh, that's good. Yeah. And it's interesting you say that because one of the big things I've been preaching recently with my adult students and junior golfers is just that self-awareness. And that's something that I've taken away mm-hmm. from Lynn and Pia. And I think it's really resonated well with a lot of students because you'd be surprised how little self-awareness we have as golfers, especially in the moment. And then the moment would be on the golf course, right? So yeah. I think that's really yeah. important what you said there. I think it's really interesting. I find it interesting that you said you kind of had that self-awareness with basketball, but you didn't so much in golf. And I'm curious why it doesn't transfer between two different sports. Right, right. And I don't know if it was so much self-awareness, Travis, as that I just did it automatically. And I was actually thinking about this a little bit. I think because I grew up like literally from the age of two being around basketball, like, you know, being at midcourt, watching my dad's teams practice, dribbling the ball with two hands and was just always like, always playing basketball and always kind of playing up with, with mostly boys. My dad was coaching boys at the time, boys older than me. And so I think that I did a lot of things to develop confidence that I didn't really know how I did it. Mm-hmm. And so I don't think I had that self-awareness. I think that in, in hindsight, you know, I said automatically, but I, I think I did things. I was, I was prepared. I practiced, I developed fundamentals. I was always comparing myself to myself. So I developed confidence in basketball, but didn't know how I did it. And so without that intent awareness and then intentionality to transfer it to golf, I mean, sometimes I was able to, it just wasn't consistent. It, it just kind of happened by chance, if you will, because I wasn't really sure how to do it. Hmm. Um, and so I think that intentionality is, is the element there, not only to, to be self-aware of how we are when we're at our best or how we are when we're confident, but then that self-regulation, you know, to be able to compare yourself to yourself. Am I getting more confident? Like I'm not comparing myself to, to Travis. Right. And, and then that idea of how do I develop the skill? Right. So how do I, how do I regulate it? How do I get better at it? And that sort of thing. So, right. Well, you know, it's interesting that you say all this. And one point that I need to bring up for the listeners is that you played golf at an extremely high level and you played at a very good university for golf as well. But like you said, looking back on, it, I think you, you realized there were some of these things that were missing and that could have really improved your game. And I think that's 
maybe why you went even deeper into some of your studies with what you've done in your profession as well. Is that right? Yes, yes, absolutely. I, I was in a lot of classes with um, folks who were actually uh, majoring in counseling or clinical psych. Uh, the Counseling was my minor, so I'd have a few classes with them. And, and they always joke that the people who went into to counseling and stuff were like trying to figure themselves out, which is a good thing, right? And uh, and same thing, I think, with the sports psychology is I, I ended up going that direction. That Again, my good fortune to be get to be around Dr. Glenn Albaugh, and he was a big influence on me in that area. At the same time, I think it's like, oh, this is a chance to figure out myself and why that I don't consistently perform at my best, you know, in different things that I'm doing, you know, from basketball to golf to just, you know, performing as a professional um, as I was growing into my profession, you know, being in graduate school. How is sports psychology applied to young children in sports? Um, this is one thing I'm very curious about. And I think the more tactics you could share here with even very young learners up through, let's just say, pre-high school would be great. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a great question, because I think you you got to start with general understanding of what sports psychology is and the misconception of it that, um, you know, a lot of people that I talk to, they get the idea that, you know, you go to work with someone in sports psychology if something's wrong or if the kid's broken, if they're, they're having anxiety or they're not performing well, or they're flustered, they want to quit the sport. And, and so it's uh, kind of this reactive approach versus looking at it, you know, really looking at sports psychology as part of the holistic child, right? So it's the mental and emotional health of the young person, just like adults, you know, we, we're, we're more than just our physical performance. And so sports psychology for kids, as well as adults is really about, you know, creating a healthy experience. I think the difference with kids is that, you know, ideally you're, you're helping the, with the parents as well, because they're the ones that are around them the most, right? And so um, kind of educating the whole family. And then I think breaking things down where it's just like you would do with the physical part of the golf game, like, you know, not imposing our adult, adult terminology, our, our adult mentalities onto the kids. So, for example, with young kids, a couple of, you know, the fun basic things, you know, to be able to start with, you know, if that, I mean, it could be, you know, like even, you know, a 10 year old, right. Is this idea of effort. Right. And, and then they hear the word focus a lot. Well, what is, you know, what is that? So kind of these ideas of, of effort, you know, giving your best and then focus, you know, paying attention to what you need to. So if you're in the outfield and you're on a baseball team, like, Hey, you need to be watching the ball coming off the batter's bat. Right. So what am I focusing on? And, and, and so in getting kids, you know, at early ages like that to start after after a performance, you know, rating their effort, rating their performance, whether it's on a numerical scale or a five star scale, whatever it is, smiley faces. Right. Um, and so getting them to rate some simple things and and then those things really then help kind of set that foundation for that self-comparison. So how am I doing with my effort? I might we might not have won the game or I might not have won the race or I might not have won the tournament. But but how am I doing? Am I getting better? Right. And so I have control over that. And I think those things, getting kids to start to focus on a couple of simple things they can understand. I think, you know, definitely starting with effort, then that's really a great foundation for helping them start to build confidence. So in golf, we, we call it personal par, right? My par, me versus me. And so you can call it whatever you want with other sports, but it's the idea of how am I doing and, and how am I improving? Mm, I like that. So uh, we had a mental coach come on the podcast. His name's Josh Nichols. And one of the things he left us with was something he calls the three in one. So like, at the end of a session, write down first three things that you do really well, and then one thing you need to work on. But what I think I would incorporate with what you just said for younger learners would be kind of like 
almost help guide them in some of those three positive things, or maybe in that, like you said, effort would be at kind of the forefront and maybe some other things, whether it's focus, but kind of guide them. And like you said, whether it's just happy faces or sad faces or just a neutral face or whatever it may be, but that's a good way to kind of introduce them and kind of tie in also what I liked about that three and one as well, because personally, I, I mean, I don't know if, children fall in the same category but i think as adults we tend to with our golf think really negative very quickly as opposed to what we actually did well and it, i think flipping it to the positive as soon as possible like you said to kind of help build confidence so i like that i like those ideas that you just shared those are cool yeah thanks yeah and we definitely want to reinforce those positives because you know that's how we're going to store them away in our memory to be able to draw back on them right and so recall them when we are working you know to build confidence so i would add fun to that by the way too you made me think i was thinking, you know, this idea, because why do kids play, you know, fun, friends and self-improvement. So um, if, if folks were looking for three things to rate or get kids to focus on, it would be, you know, what was the most fun or what did they enjoy the most? And, you know, how was their effort? And, you know, you know, what did they focus on? How did they do with that? So those, I think, are three really simple areas to help parents or, or coaches who are working with, you know, young kids in that kind of, you know, seven, seven to 11 or seven to 10 year old range. I love fun. And that's what we're gonna talk about next. So What's the best way to, yeah, (laughs) what's the best way to inspire families and children to have fun together in golf? Yeah, well, I think just thinking back even to what my dad did with me as a kid, this idea of the, the, the families that need to get together and go out and do it together and have fun, right? So the, the adults or the, the aunt, aunt like me or the, the parents, um, are, are the role models for that. So I think really getting together and doing it with your kids. And so, and then um, I think, you know, if you're talking little bitty kids, I have a lot of friends who are like, Beth, you know, I've got my, my, you know, little kid, they're, they're older now, but so their nieces and nephews or even some of them, their grandkids, you know, they want to get them out to the golf course. And so it's this idea of, again, reframing what is fun from a kid's level. So if you've got like a three or four or five-year-old getting them out to the golf course, like trying to get them to do golf like you probably isn't going to be fun for them, right? And so whether it's, if, you know, if you if helping you drive the golf cart legally, right. And, you know, or taking a putter out, or when we'd go out with my nephews, we would take like a putter in one club and then they would take their little fishing net things and they would take their little plastic things. So they wanted to catch turtles and do all that. So again, this idea of what is fun for them. And, and as the adults in their life, you'll know best what that is at each time. If you really stop and go, okay. You know, if I want them to have fun and inspire them to play with me as they get older, then I need to start off and have a childlike mentality of what fun is for, for them. And that the best thing would be is like, hey, what would be fun? Like, hey, let's go to the golf course. What do you want to do out there today? You know, and like I said, my nephews, we took fishing nets and we took all kinds of stuff. And, and um, you know, finding those times, depending on where, where you golf at, where you're not going to be in the way or, or hold up play and that sort of thing. So I think, you know, helping them, you know, those ways when they're really little. But I think when they get a little bigger in terms you know, of inspiring him, inspiring them. It's this idea of if you want them to do golf, then go ahead and expose them to lots of things, you know, that variety, let them explore a lot of different things and um, give them opportunities. I'm sure you've heard the term free play. You know, um, if, if it is whatever the sport is, and if we come back to golf, if they go out with you and they're getting a little bit older and they're out on the course actually playing with you, you know, let them help you set up the rules for that day. They don't have to be the rules of the USGA, right? Um, and so, you know, playing from a lot shorter courses, like we have, you know, shorter tees, family tees, if you don't have them, make them up, start off close to the green and, and letting them really, really uh, establish the rules, you know, 
maybe uh, maybe they want to swing uh, like Happy Gilmore for those people who remember that. And hey, every time I tee off, I'm going to swing like Happy Gilmore. So kind of having more of a free play mentality, even if they are getting a little bit older and starting to go out on the golf course with you for a couple of holes, I think that can really inspire them, you know, and help them have fun. And then the last thing is they start to get maybe a little bit better or have some interest in improving. You know, I think this idea of challenging them, you know, kind of like the video games, one level up, you know, one level beyond where they are. And so if that's, hey, let's play from a little bit farther back or, hey, let's add a new a new club to the bag or a different club that maybe they haven't hit before. So anything you can do to challenge them or maybe if it's, you know, if they're playing three holes with you and maybe they had a I'm just making this up. Maybe they had a 27 the last time you played. And so, okay, well, what do we want to do today? What can we do to get a little bit better? And so maybe they set a goal to I'm going to my goal is to get 25 today and I'm going to give my best effort on all three holes. Right. So. So there's a little bit of variety there, I think, depending on if you're talking littles or you're just wanting to get out to the golf course with you all the way up to if they're starting to show some interest and, and are wanting to get better. So challenging them kind of like a video game, one level beyond where they are. Yeah, I loved everything you just said there. It's really, really useful information. And I think to kind of sum up some of that stuff that you said, what I was thinking the whole time was experiences like creating an experience Mm -hmm. around golf so it's not just about playing golf by the rules every time you go out it's about going out and having fun on the golf course and making that experience an enjoyable one where the children walk away and think you know that was fun and golf is now fun because i can also hit a ball i can walk around i can look at nature i can catch some tadpoles or frogs whatever it may be but it's creating this experience and this positive experience that then resonates and then over time you know, it's just this positive thing that children are going to look back and say, I want to play golf. Golf is fun because of these things. And it's like Nicole Weller, she said on her episode, she's like, imagine uh, what a classroom looks like for kindergarten age. She's like, now, why would a golf lesson be for kindergartners at a college level? And like, you know, I imagine like, you know, at a, at a college level course, right, you've got your lectures and like that learning environment is completely different than in a kindergarten classroom. So she was like, so your golf lessons need to be like a kindergarten classroom for kindergarten mm-hmm. students. And so like all of those things that you just said kind of connected with some of these things that other guests have come on the podcast and said. And then the other thing was you said, you don't have to play by the rules of golf. You just need to play golf, hit the ball from A to B. You don't need to keep score. You can play by your own rules. You can make your own rules up. Again, it all ties into those experiences. And that's something I got actually from another guest, Neil Plimmer. And he says, you just have a mix of playing the game of golf, which is by the rules that adults have created, and then play golf, which is just get the ball from A to B, however you want to do it and have mm-hmm. fun doing it, right? And I think that that balance, that mixture of what you were saying is 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 really important. So that was that was really cool to hear from you. I love that. I love that idea of creating experiences. I think you really did capture the essence of it, Travis. Yeah. Uh, and, and and everything you're saying there, I'm just thinking experiences, 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 and all of those sound so positive. And I think that's what children are going to walk away with. Mm-hmm. We, we talked at the beginning about learning life lessons through sports. What would be some life lessons we may learn or junior golfers may learn through golf? Well, there's obviously a, a lot. I know for myself, you know, the biggest things that I learned as a kid was this idea of personal responsibility, which is different. You know, I was big into basketball and golf. And so the difference there is basketball, you know, there's other people involved. And but with golf, it was all about me, what I did, where I hit it. So this idea of personal responsibility, you know, every once in a while you get a bad break or bad bounce. But at the end of the day, it's really you are responsible for the decisions you make and you are responsible for ultimately where the ball ended up. Right. 
And so I think golf is, is a great game for that. And also that uh, for, for kids, we call it self-management, but you know, in the business world, you hear the phrase emotional IQ, right? So then, then part of that is managing my emotions because sometimes things do happen that I don't have control over, right? Whether it's the weather or the, the greens and, you know, whatever it may be, um, the pace of play, they're just things we can't control. And so this idea of how do I manage my emotions so that I can play my best more often. So I think golf is a great thing for that. But, but again, from personal experience, uh, from we could give lots of examples, and then even research would tell us it's got to be a, intentional. A lot of people like to say golf just teaches these things. And it doesn't because, again, I, I don't know, probably no one listening on your show, Travis, because they probably wouldn't do this or they wouldn't be listening. But people they know, right, they act not like their best selves when they're when they're playing golf, when they hit a bad shot or whatnot. So it clearly doesn't automatically do it. Right. But it does sure. give, I think, one of the best environments for us as adults to intentionally create that bridge to life or bridge to other areas. And so I know when I worked at the first tee, we called it bridge to life. I was a national educator for about 15 years with the first tee. And that wow. was the specific part of the lesson was this idea of bridge to life. And we didn't call it that to the kids, but the coaches knew that, hey, you know, asking them, OK, so you learned about managing your emotions today as it relates to golf, like how you're responding, you know, to, to your, to your outcomes. And so how might you use that when you go home with your family or how are you going to use that when you go to the school? If you get upset, if, if um, something happens with a teacher or with a, a friend at school that you don't like, how are you going to, to apply what you've learned here to those areas? And so we have to be intentional, you know, or, or it might happen. Um, and if we want to wait on that, that's, that's fine. But I think most people listening on your show here are wanting to kind of shorten the learning curve. Right. And so we need to be intentional on asking kids those questions and drawing it out of them. You know, whatever it is that we want them to learn, if it's emotional management or if it's um, taking responsibility. And a lot of times those those opportunities happen maybe when they didn't play their best or didn't shoot their best or or they got beat. You know, those are the times we can really help draw out those, um, you know, coachable moments or teachable moments or what a lot of people would call those. Do you think that inspiration for children growing in the game of golf, do you think that more importantly than winning or more important than having a goal of going to play college golf should be kind of learning these life lessons through the sports or through the game of playing golf? Well, well, I think, I think that we have to ask ourselves, what are our goals for our kids? And, And I can't answer that for other people. Um, of course, I'm going to say that, that the life lessons are, are more important because we know the small <laughs> right. percentages that go play at those high levels. But, but I right. think that, you know, one of the cool things is that, is that we know, and there's all kinds of different research out there. And, and we could give some, again, personal examples, this idea, if we really want to inspire the young people in our life to continue with golf for a lifetime, then if we can, if we can do the things that, that they, that keep them in the game, which are again, fun friends and getting better. Right. And I would say, now this is Beth saying it, but in that order. Right. Because um, if we can do those things, then we know, like, what was it? There's some research that says 70 percent of Olympic athletes in recent years played multiple sports into high school. Right. Mm. So they're not playing just golf or just one thing. Right. And so if we want them to have the best chance, perhaps to excel at a high level, then we need to promote fun, friends, and an improvement. And those life lessons, I think, then are part of that. If we want them to not get burned out and not get injured, then again, we want to promote those other things, I think, over winning, right? 
And I think if we want them um, to just continue in the game for a lifetime, like you said, create experiences where maybe they don't go on and play at high level, but they come back to it as adults. Then again, we want to create an environment where they don't just have the opportunity to become better golfers, but they become better people. I couldn't agree more. I think that's, I think that's really, it's really nice to hear that coming from you, Dr. Beth. I think it's an important thing for all of the listeners to hear as well, because I've talked about this before as adults, we kind of have values. We have our own values for our families. And let's just say specifically for golf, we probably have some values that we want for our children to get out of the game of golf. But a lot of times we start doing some silly things as adults, even as, you know, coaches and parents and, you know, our reactions and what we do and say sometimes a little bit different than what actually our true values are. So I always recommend to listeners mm-hmm. to just kind of go back and reflect on those values because, you know, it, it's it's easy to get caught up in a situation and you start saying things or your body language is just completely different what those values are. And by myself, I have to put myself in a reality check as well. And I think it's just an important thing to have listeners here to make sure that you're constantly doing that because any situation could change and we don't want you to, and I don't want myself specifically to act differently or say different things what my true values are for my children or for my students. So that's advice I, I, I constantly talk about on the podcast to give. And I think those things that you mentioned there would be some very important things to put at the top of the list. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I mean, I think, you know, every adult that I've ever met, you know, wants the best for their kids. So I think that's just great advice, you know, and hearing that that's why you're hosting this podcast to get that message out there. <laughs> yes, <laughs> thank you. So you, you've got some great resources, Dr. Beth, and you've got a couple of characters that you've created, Divot and Swish. Now, where did this idea come from? Oh, right. Well, here's a, you probably have a picture there, but Divot, you can see, is a, a golf ball with, a, she has a, a grass skirt, so she's a divot. Oh, that's and cool. And Swish is, is the, the basketball net. And so for those that are uh, basketball players, we know nothing but net makes the sound of Swish. Yep. And when you hit that, for, for the most part, when you're hitting a shot off the fairway, you know, and you catch it crisply, you know, ball first, you take a little divot. So to me, uh, divot and Swish are both the outcome of, of good shots in golf and basketball. And the, the inspiration, obviously, I grew up, you know, playing basketball with my dad, a basketball coach and leading into to starting golf around the age of eight. Um, and so I've just always um, had golf and basketball as part of my life, you know, all the way up into college, you know, playing, I say playing golf at University of Oklahoma, but sitting on the bench in basketball, but just have had really, for the most part, great experiences through sport. And so I've had this idea in my head for, you know, 15 plus years of of using what I've learned to, to help families and, and coaches, anybody working with kids and help the kids themselves. And so finally, uh, uh, through some um, external prompting, uh, I, I finally uh, pulled the first book together over the last year and a half. And um, Adventures with Divot and Swish in Costa Rica, The Superpower of Courage is the first in what's intended to be a children's book series um, with the mission of really inspiring families and kids to not only have fun, but uh, to become more active and learn life lessons through sports. So, so in this book, Divot and Swish, they travel to Costa Rica. It was actually my experience surfing, my one surfing lesson in Costa Rica. And they learn what I call the superpower of courage. But, you know, the superpowers, you could think of it as sports psychology for kids. Is, um, and so obviously we need courage uh, in our lives outside of, in, not only in sport, but outside of sport, you know, to try new things, to um, to try something, even if we perceive it to be hard. Um, and, and so that's kind of 
the story behind starting Adventures with Dip It and Swish. Oh, that's cool. I like that. And I think that ties in really well with something that we don't think about a lot. And I don't, th- I'm not sure if this falls under sports psychology or the, the emotional part or the mental part, but I think let's just say your goal was to have your child play golf at a higher level, whether it was college mm-hmm. golf or even professionally. We don't think about that besides golf, you have to be, you have to have the courage to even hop on a plane and go to a new country or a new state mm-hmm. and play at a new golf course with different types of grass, different types of weather and different time zones and all these things that we actually don't think about. And when you said the word courage there, it just kind of resonated with me that like you could be a really good golfer, but if you don't have the courage to kind of step out of your comfort zone of your actual geographical location, you might actually struggle to, you know, continue to carry on. So I think, you know, having children learn this early on and seeing that these two characters are actually in a country that probably a lot of people haven't even been to and they're learning their adventures is really cool. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I think too, if you think about it, you know, coming back to for kids, if you're wanting to get them engaged in golf, it's this idea. It is something, it is something new. Maybe they haven't done. And so getting them to try it in a way where they're just kind of pushing them just kind of to the edge of their comfort zone. And, and what I see a lot with kids and, and as I talk to parents um, friends and, and others is it's this idea that kids, they might try something, but sometimes we don't, we, we almost set them up to fail because we like an example would be taking a young person out to play nine holes. Even if they played from the front tees, that's probably ridiculously hard for them. It's going to be probably not a very good experience. And so they might've had the courage to go out there with you the first time. They're probably not going to go back unless we set up the environment where they have a chance to have fun. And so you know, again, maybe it's hitting, you know, from just off the green when they start, you know, and so it's like, oh, well, I had the courage, I went to do that once. And now I'm more likely to go back. Because often when we think about courage, it's like kind of a one and done. Okay, I tried that, you know, we think of something extreme, like for me, that would be jumping out of an airplane, like skydiving, right? So we're not talking about courage in terms of getting kids to do things that are unsafe, or that set them up to have a bad experience. But as adults, creating that environment, a safe place for them to learn, right? And so I do lump this into sports psychology for kids where they can be successful. Mm -hmm. Successful meaning that they can have a good learning experience. They have the opportunity to have fun. They have a lot of opportunity to to see how that they're improving. And if we set that new learning environment up for them like that, an environment where it requires courage to to try something new or try something they think is hard, right? Because I still have to have the courage to try again if I think it's going to be maybe, you know, it's not something I've done before to that level, right? Maybe mm-hmm. I'm going to tee off farther back, or maybe it could even be trying uh, to practice my balance, swinging with my eyes closed or swinging on one leg, right? Because I haven't done that before. And so courage is kind of this perpetual thing that I think is important. And I think is, is almost always the precursor to starting to develop confidence. Because if you don't try it, whether it's new or it's a higher level or a more difficult version of what you've done, then you can never take the next step and start to build confidence by increasing awareness, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, I would totally agree. I, I'm now running the Operation 36 golf programs at our facility. So everybody starts 25 yards away from the hole mm-hmm. on the first nine hole event. And we actually, we had a parent junior tournament and it's, it's kind of a funny story because you talk about courage. It's not actually you know, listeners, listen, if you're a parent, you haven't played golf, you actually need courage to go out on the golf course as well, right? So I had a situation where one of my new students, he signed up for the parent junior and the dad arrived and he said, Oh, I'll just walk with him. My 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 son will, um, he'll just play and I'll just be out there. And I said, Well, you know, 
you have to play too. That's part of the parent junior. And I said, he's like, oh, I've never played before. And I said, it's okay. And he's like, I don't have clubs. I was like, I'll let you borrow a few. I was like, look, you're going to start close to the hole. He's like, I've never, I've never hit a golf ball before. I was like, trust me, you're going to figure this out. So he goes out, he, he has the courage. He's the dad starts from 25 yards away with his son and the parent junior comes back after nine. He's like, all right, you have me sold. I want to start learning golf. <laughs> but you know, he yeah. walked into this with no courage and walked out with a ton of courage and junior golfers the same way, right? Like if you, you mentioned starting at the four tees, that's still too far away for most people or for most, for most junior golfers, especially. So getting them closer to the hole gives them a little bit of courage. And then if they have a target, then they can move further away. And that gives, creates a little more courage, right? Like you said, so I, I like that uh, description you had, but I was, when you were saying this, I was like, oh my God, we just went through this last week. And it wasn't just for the juniors, it's with the parents yeah. too. <laughs> yeah, I, I can relate to that. I think we're, we're our, our, I'm a site director for LPGA USJ Girls Golf Program here in Oklahoma City. And uh, we're in our first session, which has gotten canceled last month because of the rain, but it's going to happen next this next weekend. The parents were doing a, a drive for dough, putt for show. And so they don't know it yet, but we're going to be inviting them, uh, nudging them to participate with, with the, the young lady that they bring. So that's cool. Yep. And you, 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 they'll, uh, they'll have to have some courage as well, won't they? Absolutely. <laughs> so Dr. Beth, you know, you've really shared some really useful information for myself, for the listeners, and that's uh, me being a parent and a golf coach. With your uh, resource, you have Dividend Swish. Where can people find more information about Dividend Swish? And if they want to purchase your book, where could they do that? Um, they can find uh, more out about Dividend Swish Travis on the website, adventureswithdividandswish.com. And so that's divot like a golf divot and swish, S-W-I-S-H. Um, they can also uh, follow Dividend Swish on Instagram and uh, Facebook, and that's Adventures with Dividend Swish. Um, and then uh, they can learn more about coaching kids there also on my my uh, business website, um, which I'm sure you'll probably post both of those. Um, I don't want to clutter up, give them a bunch of spelling here, but they can they can check it out. I'm sure in the notes uh, for the show that you put out. Yes, I'll share all those links in, in the show notes for sure. So it is where is the next adventure for Dividend and Swish? Have you thought about where they're going to head next? Oh, yes. I thought you might ask that. Yeah. <laughs> the, second, the second book is in the works and uh, and I can't tell you where um, that would that would spoil the suspense. But I but I do promise you that um, that the uh, superpower or the uh, sports psychology skill is going to be uh, something that we might have mentioned today. Uh, and uh, it's going to be something that's going to be very, very helpful to, to young people in their golf performance and also in life. And, and then also uh, they are going to meet in the first book, they meet Sammy the surfer in Costa Rica um, when they learn the superpower of courage. The next book, they are going to meet uh, a, a young lady who's going to teach them another superpower. Like I said, that'll be super helpful to them. So oh, very stay cool. tuned for that. The goal is for the second adventure to come out um, over the holidays later this year. Cool. I'm excited for that. And uh, I like the suspense as well. So Dr. Beth, thank you so much before I let you go, though. I've got one final question for you. And what are your final words of inspiration for raising golfers? Well, that's pressure, Travis. Um, yeah, I think maybe just to, to encapsulate what we said is this idea to, to really put on your kid hat and, and think about or be aware of what is it that makes it fun for my kids? If I really, really want them to keep playing golf, I really want them to get better. If I really want them to love the game for a lifetime, then I need to think about what's fun for them. And if you're not sure, ask them, right? 
Um, so whatever that experience is, to use your words, create an experience that they're going to enjoy. And there's no right or wrong in that. Like there's not a perfect way to hold it or a perfect way to swing. Um, one of the uh, one of my uh, the people I've been around, he has this quote. Um, you may have heard of him, Rudy Duran. He would always say when he was uh, talking to adults about coaching kids, whether that's parents or coaches out there, he would say, how do I not know that they're Mozart and I'm trying to teach them chopsticks? <laughs> like let them be a kid, let them explore, let them play, let them have fun because how do you not know? They might be, they might be Mozart and you're trying to teach them chopsticks. So have fun with them and uh, keep that in mind as you go forward. That's perfect. Thank you so much, Dr. Beth. It was a lot of fun. Really enjoyed the conversation and uh, maybe we can have you back on the podcast again in the future. So thank you so much for taking the time out of today. Thanks. Thanks, Travis. And thanks for what you're doing to uh, inspire families and kids out there yourself to, to raise golfers for a lifetime. Thank you. All right, that was a great conversation with Dr. Beth Brown. One thing that I find interesting and common on most podcast episodes is that the idea of fun comes up so often and is preached as something that is so important from guests, whether they're coaches, parents, players, or a person with a doctoral degree. So I want you to ask yourself a question as a coach or parent of junior golfers. Are you having fun with the juniors that are around you? And are they having fun spending time and being around you? My advice would be put fun in the front of other tactics and I can imagine there'll be more enjoyment, better relationships, and higher chance of longevity for your juniors to stay in the game. I love her idea of a child's book, which she made out of two sports she loves, golf and basketball. Her first book, Divot and Swish, Go on an Adventure in Costa Rica, and what they talk about and learn is the superpower of courage. Now, I love this idea and the way of building an important life skill of having courage. I mean, you would probably agree, golf is not an easy game, nor is life, and they both take a lot of courage. Dr. Beth Brown gave the example of trying not to set children up for failure, and that example was taking them out for nine holes and have them start so far away from the hole. Now, I see this day in and day out on the golf course, and I'm a big proponent of this, and that's why I'm running the Operation 36 programs at my course, which has everyone start just 25 yards away from the hole, and as their skills progress, and develop along the way with confidence, they slowly move further and further away from the hole. I really enjoyed this conversation. It was a lot of fun with Dr. Beth Brown. My final words, go out and create positive experiences for children through golf. Thank you very much, everyone.